Welcome to the seventh episode of the Resistics podcast. My name is Callie and I am a female engineer. I'm here to change the workplace environment to be more supportive and inclusive of a diverse workforce. It's hard to believe I've been at my new job for six months. It's also hard to believe how different it is from my last job. The word opposite is honestly the best pick. This job is the most opposite of where I was before. If you haven't tuned into it, check out the three-part series I did on my last job called The Startup Saga. It was quite the experience. Let's go through the differences between these drastically opposite startup jobs. My first day on the new job was August 22nd, the day after the total solar eclipse. The company was in the process of moving office locations because they had massively outgrown their original space. I showed up to their old location as directed. The office was exactly what you would expect for a startup. It was one big open room full of long desks, stuff everywhere, whiteboards on the walls with timelines and goals and statuses. I came in a little earlier than most and was told to sit at the conference table on one side of the open room. I had a few things to read through, but was mostly waiting for my official quality training to begin. One of the only other people there at the time tried to be nice and recommended I grab an extra cup of coffee before it started. Three hours later, I wished I had listened to him. By the time I was done with training, people had shown up. It was full, it was pretty loud, full of energy, and I got my first task. That's a pretty good first day compared to the first day at my last job. That first day, I was asked what I was doing there. I had no formal training, and no one had any idea what I was supposed to be doing. Most of my new company's focus for my first two weeks was on moving offices. And since I wasn't much help with that, I sat in the new office, in my new cube, trying to read as much as I could to learn. I remember describing things to my husband as weirdly calm, pretty boring, and very polite. People talked about the weather, Like, honestly, the weather. The jokes they made were so innocent and cheesy. People seemed content. People were nice. And things seemed to be off to a very uninteresting start. Coming from my last job, it was a very refreshing uninteresting. I broke my last startup experience into the good, which was the work, the bad, which was the leadership, and the ugly, which was the environment. Let's go through how those three things looked at the new place. The work, well, to be honest, the work is kind of boring. Most of what I've done has been cleaning up documentation. This links directly back to what I talked about on the last episode of the podcast. I've been able to dabble a little bit in some data analysis for system performance, but when I look at my accomplishments list, it's mostly documentation. I think one reason that the work is so different and less interesting is because there are way more engineers here. In October of 2016, the company had about 17 people. When I started about nine months later, the company was probably 40 people, and I would guess about 30 of those are engineers. In the last six months, we've continued to grow and now have over 60 people, with most of them still being engineers. The system I'm working on now is much more complex than the system I worked on before, so the sea of engineers is absolutely necessary. But with all these engineers, people are much more siloed. There are specific teams that handle the various components. Each person or group has their small piece of the pie that they know and do well, 
but rely on the bigger team to make the product work as a whole. That is very different than where I was before. I was one of three-ish engineers, which meant I got to jump into everything. At my new job, I feel much more funneled. The leadership. Man, I wish I had a better word than opposite. I guess it's easy to start with the fact that I was not invited to a strip club my first month on the job. But really, the leadership here is professional, focused, dedicated to the product. The CEO has been working on this product for over a decade. It's his idea, his passion, his baby. At my last job, it was just a medical device investor trying to make more money off of another product. Here, this is his world. When he stands up and talks to the company, it's always about the vision. It's always about meeting goals and changing lives. He is a really good person. The whole leadership team is conscientious with money and everything is planned and organized. They are tactful and truly 100% focused on meeting the timelines they have set forth to their board of investors to release this product to the market. And last, the environment. Well, there has been no focus on getting to know each other or building trust. There have been no offsite team building events. There have been no holiday parties. To be honest, I don't think anyone here knows much about me other than I'm married, I moved from out of state, and I have a dog. And that last one is probably only known by a couple of people. It's weird, especially coming from where I was before. At my last job, I knew everything about the people I worked with. We talked a lot, we joked around, we consoled, we butted heads. We just knew each other. Here, there are plenty of days that go by where I don't speak to a single person. Or even if I do, it is solely a question about a task, and then I go back to typing at my cube. People seem focused and content. I will say the diversity here is awesome, though. There are a range of ages, range of men and women, range of races and religions and backgrounds. That's by far my favorite part. But I do have to point out, none of that diversity is on the leadership team. They are all middle-aged white men. The lack of talking to people makes me feel like there's a lack of a community. The fact that no one knows anything about me and I know nothing about them makes me feel disconnected. At my last job, I didn't feel like I belonged because I wasn't part of the leadership boys club and because I wasn't paid fairly and because there wasn't good clarity in my role. But here, I don't feel like I belong because I honestly don't know if I belong. Now, I'm not sure if I've been here long enough to make any broad statements about the success of the company, but there are definitely some good things going on and some weird things going on. I'll start with the weird. And I'm using the word weird because they don't really feel positive, but I'm not sure they're all the way negative. Number one, we are growing really fast. Within the last year or so, the company has quadrupled in size. That's a lot of new people. And the weirder part is that a lot of the people are coming from one specific other company. Uh, so several higher ups at that other company left to come here and they brought a significant portion of their product development team with them. This is probably viewed as a pro to most of them. They know how each other works. They have similar experiences and beliefs about how to execute product development. They know each other's strengths. But since I am someone who did not come from that company, I feel, well, weird. I'm not part of their club. I don't have a history. I don't have buddies that I can grab lunch with. Number two, 
the communication has gotten worse. With the rapid growth, we hear much less often from the CEO. Right after I started, he probably had three or four all-hands meetings within a month or so. He kept us informed. He welcomed the new people. He always reminded us of the vision. But he really hasn't told us much recently. Other than a few all-company Slack messages, he really hasn't said much. And I know that he's busy and he has a lot to plan, but I think it affects the vibe in the office. People want to feel informed and connected, and that's a little worse than it used to be. Number three, I didn't get the same training. I was originally hired by the director of mechanical engineering. And when I started, he mostly had one-off sorts of documentation stuff for me to fix, like update a specification and justify why it doesn't impact testing, or execute a simple test protocol on a new design and write the report. The only time I got any sort of introduction or explanation of how the product worked was if one of those documents needed some basic understanding of the product to do it. Now, another guy started two weeks after me. He had daily meetings with our director in which he was told all things about the product, technology, and future goals. Here I was digging through our Google Drive folder trying to learn anything I could to make a coherent sentence in a test report, and this other guy was getting daily information sprayed at him from one of the most expert people at the company. This is one that I definitely know is bad, not just weird. I am not okay with how that happened. It set me off like a hundred steps behind the other guy. And I've tried to put some positive spin that because I had to learn the hard way, I'll remember it better. But the truth is, that was just bad leadership. Number four, I didn't get the company t-shirt or business cards. It sounds so silly, but people who were hired before me all have business cards and all have these cool company t-shirts that they wear on Fridays. Not getting those makes me feel like I don't belong, or maybe I'm not part of the team. That'll count for this episode's small moments, big impacts. They seem like such small things. I mean, a t-shirt and a business card, but the symbol of not getting them had a big impact on me. Number five. Some people kind of just disappeared. Uh, around three months into the job, the company made some pretty significant organizational changes. They made official announcements for the departure of two of the leadership team members and a plan for their transition. But shortly after that, four other regular level people just sort of disappeared. One day they were here, the next day they were not. There was no announcement, no communication, I honestly didn't even see them pack up their things. And number six, my boss changed again. About three months after I started, I was called into a meeting with the director who originally hired me. All the meeting invite said was sync up. So I went expecting to get some sort of other documentation task, but deep down hoping that he was ready to give me more. Deep down hoping I had proved to him that I was good and ready for the work I was hired for. He started the combo off with the typical, how's it going? We probably small talked for a minute or two, and then he told me I would now be reporting to an R&D manager that was under him, who was mostly focused on documentation. I looked down and said, okay. I felt like I had been demoted. The R&D manager that I was now going to report to felt like a coworker. I felt like I taught him more stuff than he taught me. And I swore he was probably younger than me. 
The director could probably sense a bit of concern and followed it up with, he's a really good guy. He talked for another couple of minutes. Honestly, I don't remember what he said. But I left his office, grabbed my keys, and went for a walk and cried. And he did turn out to be a good guy. He's aware and caring. He noticed I was bored with documentation and asked for a more data-y type task for me. He trusted me to do my work. And just as I settled in to working for him, another ominous meeting invite got put on my calendar with the director and my manager with the title, Meet with Callie. When I saw that, my heart sank. I was honestly afraid I was gonna get let go. There had been a lot of talks of more organizational changes, and I was curious if I just didn't fit into their new puzzle. Again, the director tried to start out with some small talk about the weather, but then he told me that it just makes sense for me to be part of a different team. He did say some really nice things about my abilities and my future, and he said he was bummed to lose me, but it was hard to believe him. It was hard not to feel like I just wasn't good enough to keep on his team, and I was being passed off. I had recently been doing more research type stuff, and I felt like maybe I didn't make the cut. But the move did make sense for the work I was hired to do. So I agreed that organizationally, I fully understood, and I left it at that. I also asked if my cube would change, to which he said he didn't know. My new manager is someone that I think I will learn a lot from, but it's just the sort of unsettling feeling that I just don't seem to belong anywhere here that keeps sweeping across my mind. It's also sort of frustrating that they made these choices about my future and my job here without talking to me about it, but I guess that's probably normal. This one is still pretty fresh, so I'm not too sure where it will go. So far, I feel horribly out of place. I'm still sitting in the middle of the team that I used to be on. The head of R&D actually sent out an email the other day announcing the change, and literally no one asked me about it. So this one is definitely just weird right now. All right, now on to the good. First, people here are really smart, like really, really smart. I heard a concept once that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And for many of us, that ends up being coworkers. If I become the average of these smart people, that's pretty cool. Second, we meet deadlines. This one just blows my mind. At my last startup, both before and after the acquisition by the giant company, I don't think we ever hit a deadline. And the big company was by far the worst at that. It took an extra year to release one product, and that's a pretty substantial delay for the market that we were in. But here, people do what it takes to meet the deadlines. And it's not like people work horribly long hours. It's just everyone knows the criticality of those deadlines. If we don't hit them, we don't get money from our investors. And since we don't have a released product yet to bring any money in, we need those investors. Third, I'm paid fairly. Because my husband is an engineer and we know quite a few engineers, I have a decent idea of what I think I should be paid based on my industry and experience. At this job, I feel like I am paid appropriately for the work that I do. And I feel like no matter who they put in my spot, they'd get paid about the same amount as I do. That's a very comforting feeling. Fourth, real diversity. <laughs> when I look around the office, I see a true range of people. Yes. And fifth, decisions feel very objective. 
At my last job, everything felt like such a game, trying to please or placate certain people. It rarely felt like decisions were made with the end customer in mind, and it rarely felt like decisions were consistent. It was very flip-floppy and unorganized and felt like there was some sort of secret game going on behind the scenes that I never knew the rules to. Here, it feels very objective. I honestly believe that every decision they make is based on what is best for the company to meet its goals. Nothing feels vindictive or like a game, which is super refreshing. So the bottom line is, I needed this job. I needed to get out of the sort of vicious cycle I was in before and see something totally opposite. It has been very good to get this additional perspective. But now I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. At the end of the day, I am pretty bored and don't feel like I fit in. And I know that's just not sustainable. But on the plus side, I'm surrounded by smart and focused people who may be able to provide me very good work experiences. I'm in a diverse setting and I feel like I'm paid fairly. These are huge improvements. So I'll try to be patient, which is not a natural strength of mine. And what do I expect for the next six months? Well, I know that we will continue to grow. We hit some major milestones and secured some more funding, which means we are expanding our space and adding a bunch more people. I'm guessing somewhere on the order of 20 more. We also have another really big milestone in May, and essentially by that time, I'll get to see a full product release process. And the more of those I see, the better. And I actually started talking to one of the other women in the company, and she's been super nice. I hope that maybe I can find someone to talk to here that makes me feel more like I belong. Someone who knows more about me than that I'm married and have a dog. <laughs> And finally, the company started a new feedback loop review process where we're supposed to talk to our manager every other week and document what we're good at and what we need to work on. I've really only had the traditional end of the year big company evaluation where you get scored on strange scales about things that may or may not relate to your job. So I'm curious to see how this new process goes. But I do know that in order to get the most out of it, I have to be a bit more brave and ask for the things I want to know and learn. So that's six months at my second startup. It's been a little bit boring, but a very good experience. Let's wrap this episode up with a shout out. I'm giving a big shout out to the Inclusion Rider push. Have you heard about this? Although not her original idea, it was proposed during the Oscars by Frances McDormand. When actors and actresses agree to do a film, they sign a contract and they have the option to add in writers to ask for special things. I can only imagine that it's usually things like they have to have a gluten-free, paleo, organic snack tray at 9.18 a.m. every day with a double espresso. But this writer is actually really cool. The idea of the inclusion writer is that these actors and actresses would put in their contract that the staff, writers, actors, crew members, etc. would reflect real-world demographics. People have already started to jump on board. The thing is, if Hollywood directors really want the big famous actors and actresses, and those big famous people demand for diversity by putting it into a legal contract, that could make a huge difference. As you could imagine, some people are unsure of this concept, afraid that people will hire only to fill quotas rather than talent. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. I remember a couple years back seeing previews for a movie called The Great China Wall. And it was about a guy who was imprisoned in the wall and discovered an entire army and he led them to fight. 
And I remember thinking, why in the world is a white guy playing the leader of a Chinese army? That movie grossed $45.5 million in the U.S. Now let's look at movies that casted stars with real diversity of the setting, like uh, Black Panther and Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures grossed around $169 million in the U.S. That's about three times as much. And Black Panther has already grossed over $512 million since its release less than a month ago. That's what happens when you represent stories with their true diversity. It's successful, it's genuine, and it's powerful. Kind of like Title IX. A lot of people felt threatened that schools might accept a minority over them just because they were a minority. But the truth is, it allowed access to college for many kids who could never have dreamed of it. It gave them a fairer playing field. And it is now providing our workplaces with a representative perspective of the real world. So, thank you Hollywood for making this inclusion writer known and using your power to do some good. All right, that does it for this episode of Resistics. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please share with your friends and please rate my podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, together, we can change this. Bye.